When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be in with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, plenty of football to get into with Nebraska and Northwestern. Maybe some NFL thoughts as well. You can join us today. Dial us up. Lines are there for you. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. Dial them up. It don't cost you nothing. You can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So uh, we will dive in with Mike Babcock here shortly from hailvarsity.com and magazine. We will rip Mike Shuhart away from the putting green out at Wilderness Ridge. Remember, we are there Friday Happy hour with Hale Varsity. Going to be incredible weather. Uh, Jay Moore is joining the show. Mike Shuart joining the show. Elijah will be chained back here at the studio while we'll be out on the deck at Wilderness Ridge. 75 degree, beautiful Friday. We'll take pictures of it for you, uh, Elijah. We might even open the shades up so you can peer out. That's just a, a very uh, frank and disgusted look you have on your face. The eye contact is not pleasant right now. So we'll be out there Friday, happy hour with Hale Varsity, Wilderness Ridge 4 to 6. Friday, tomorrow, we're in the rail yard for the food truck showdown that gets going, which will be sweet. So we'll be down in the rail yard 4 to 6 tomorrow, socially distant, of course. So that's a little housekeeping. Brad Edwards in one hour, awesome weekend of college football, and uh Time for you also this hour and next hour. So let's get into some of the coaches today as you had Coach Chenander, you had Coach Greg Austin on the offensive line, and Coach Travis Fisher in the secondary, all uh, three big assistants for Coach Frost, and uh, a lot of pretty interesting takes here. But think about this, and, and I love talking like signature plays. What do you do? What do you do well? What do you do a defense know is cut knows is coming and still can't stop, right? I mean that that is the that is the definition of bread and butter. And I love it when linemen talk about bread and butter. Elijah, you used to like to eat. Yeah. You're, you're a big bread and butter like guy. Eat. Yeah, you're a big bread <laughs> and butter guy. I don't know if you're a, a wheat uh, bread with with the crust on type dude. But bread and butter is so simple but so awesome. And and that's what you want 
out of your offense, right? And and just growing up watching Nebraska football, uh, as long as I can remember, man, it was it was option, it was short side, and it was a fake to the fullback. It was a quick pivot by Steve Taylor around, and he'd either pitch it off to Kenny Clark or he'd keep and take off down the sideline, right? I mean, Turner Gill, of course, scoring explosion. But Nebraska's bread and butter for years was the ground and pound run game where you'd have Rozier in the backfield and it'd be that that quick, just quick snap, Remington, Remington would fire off and kill somebody and you just toss power pitch or it was option back to a guy like Rozier or DuBose or, you know, you go through the 80s, the option game with, with Frazier and, and Lawrence. Frost and Amon Green, it was awesome. Or just the straight-up power eye, that was kind of your identity as well for Nebraska, where you would just slam it down someone's throat, or even the quick fullback trap hitter with a Schlesinger or Makovica. I mean, there's there's playbook uh, plays that you know and love for Nebraska football, the option pass, right? So when I think of bread and butter, what what are those one or two, three plays that you just kill every time and it's your go-to? And and right now, as I look at Nebraska's offense, it's not that they can't have one or don't have one they're working on. It's just not real evident, right? I mean, what what do we take from Ohio State? What do we take through the first two years of of the Frost era? And I think it's kind of got to be some quarterback run. And, and if that's it, that's great. But to me, that's what's been most successful for Nebraska. And, you know, I'd like to see um, that that spread formation where you outflank the defense. And I think you've seen kind of that outside zone home run. You saw it with a Zigbo. You saw it the last half of last season with Mills, specifically the Wisconsin game where Mills had – get the handoff out of the shotgun, hit the uh, the outside shoulder of the tackle, cut it and go. And you know what? I think that's what, you know, the, the, the zone run game is is your bread and butter. And Nebraska's really trying to perfect that. I'm anxious to see how well that can work, right, against a Northwestern front seven. So looking at the Northwestern statistics, their linebacking core is impeccable. They lead the team in tackles. I mean, it's A, B, and C. Your top three tacklers are your linebackers. So that says a lot about your defensive line. You know, it's going to be a, a kind of a slugfest on Saturday. And, and I'm thinking Nebraska's offensive line is up to the challenge. But what is that bread and butter going to be on third and short against Northwestern? Is it going to be Adrian or Luke keeping and the quarterback run game? Or is it going to be Mills with some more hammer time? Uh, Nebraska ideally wants to lay into people and tire somebody out by that fourth quarter. Uh, We'll get some thoughts from Austin here with just what riches Nebraska has on the offensive line. But that's something to chew on. What, What will Nebraska's bread and butter become this season and beyond with this offensive line group and the run game? That would be interesting to go back and look at Scott's offenses at Oregon and uh, and UCF and go track and see what runs were called the most. Because I, I think there's two separate bread and it butter was that inside. Here. It was that inside zone. I mean, think of the backs Oregon had, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you had the, 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 the fast little dude 
that would hit the edge and go. Or you had Freeman. <laughs> I mean, that guy was starting as a freshman. Now he's in Denver with mm-hmm. your donks. And he'd get downhill between the tackles. Yeah, and Royce Freeman reminds me of that Dedrick Mills type back, mm-hmm. uh, just about to a T. Uh, so maybe I should go back and watch some games uh, from Royce Freeman. What would that be? His junior year when Scott left, or his sophomore year? I think, I think he was a senior by the time Nebraska played Oregon here. Yeah, in he was. sixteen. He was. Was that Scott's last year? Uh, no, because Frost was, was it, a, he was gone. He was just gone. Yeah, so it would have been his junior year. I, I'll go back and study that. But I think there's 16, 17, he was at Central Florida. But yeah. But yeah. I think there's also the aspect of bread and butter is different when you look at the pass game as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a coverage that uh, can pretty much shut down every single route concept out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the right, the right it's coverage. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know what I'm saying, right? I'm sorry. But <laughs> yeah, it's called hybrid safety. <laughs> it's called Jabril Pepper. <laughs> it's called just having freak athletes on defense. It's, it's, it's called having a guy off the edge to rip your quarterback's head off. So by step three, he's dead. But, but I see it more as bread and butter in the pass game is who is that guy that you're going to? Who's the guy you're going to be looking for in the pass game on third and six? Everything else is broken down. You need a play. Who's the bread and butter guy as opposed to a bread and butter play? And that's why I think we need to emerge uh, for Nebraska this season. Is it Wandale? Uh, is it one of the perimeter threats? Is Omar Manning going to step up as the year goes on? Uh, I think you also need a bread and butter guy in your pass game if you want the run game to be successful. Yeah, you, you know, you're so right. Who is your who's your who's your Ed McCaffrey? Right on 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 third and get it to the sticks at third and seven. Tight end uh, was pretty prominent against Ohio State. There was no week two, no game two against Wisconsin. So yeah, from a bread and butter standpoint, what what can you get for Nebraska? Let's hear from Coach Austin as he's able to to dive in a little bit and his impressions of that Northwestern front seven. And they're gap discipline. I mean, those guys are gap discipline. We talk about uh, the defensive line. They don't they very rarely ever get out of gap, get moved out of their gap. Uh, and then certainly you talk about the, the backers, man. The backers are the strength of their team. The backers are, you know, uh, the guys that have started, you know, basically it seems like four years in a row, number 51, number 42, number 28. Those guys, you know, um, are, are really good players and uh, and they have a, a good feel for uh, the gaps that they need to uh, that they need to work downhill through. And uh, those guys play a physical brand of football. And uh, certainly we got our work cut out for us. And that's what you see all over the film from the last couple of years, not just the first two games they played, but, you know, um, they're a pretty strong and stout front. Uh, against whomever they played. Um, some really good rushing offenses in the Big Ten. Uh, those guys have been able to manage uh, and do well against a lot of really good teams in the Big Ten. It's not only that Northwestern's uh, shutting you down to about 70 yards a game rushing the football, but from a defensive standpoint, I mean, they have six interceptions, seven total turnovers in two games. That's how they're going to win. You're going to screw up. They're going to get a short field. They're going to hang around. They're going to make tackles. Uh, I think they've only forced a couple of fumbles, but they've taken care of the football. So when we look at Saturday, does Nebraska start to emerge with that bread and butter mentality of a run play game or person? And, you know, in Nebraska, you want the guy behind center to be that difference maker and you've got a couple of options if you're nebraska 
Uh, I think I think Adrian can have a big game. Got dinged last year against Northwestern. Played pretty well uh, against Northwestern in, in Evanston. I mean, Nebraska put up enough points to win that that Saturday in Evanston. But uh, more from Greg Austin here. This kind of veers off a little bit of of his responsibilities. You know, how is game one as run game coordinator? And there really wasn't much different to to what he had been doing. But he's kind of keeping Nebraska's offense and run game on track. Here's the blueprint. Here's the plan. Here's what we want to do running the football. He's more of a title, you know, than an actual in-game, you know, direct responsibility. Um, certainly there's an ownership there, um, but it's more or less making sure that uh, that we keep the main thing, the main thing, that we're not going and straying off to other places in the run game, that we're uh, our bread and butter is our bread and butter, and we're running uh, our bread and butter. And, you know, we decided to attack those guys a certain way on Saturday, Ohio State. Um, and, you know, at least uh, for the beginning of it, you know, kind of throughout the game, we were able to to do, you know, some good things in the run game. So I look at, you know, where Nebraska went to work Saturday against Ohio State. They went after the middle, right? They let Jurgens eat. They checked in on some of those young interior guys. And what they do in the passing game, they found the tight ends up the seam. That is interesting to see where Nebraska will go and how do you go at Northwestern. Their line's good. Their linebackers are great. Do you try more downfield passing? Uh, the thing that can work out for Nebraska and when you look at Frost and this offense and that's the 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 hurry the tempo and getting guys in space like what's the one play Nebraska's ran a thousand times better success when you had a Stanley Morgan not so much last year but it was that bubble right and everybody was ready to set the bubble screen or the slot little quick toss on fire last year because you had crap perimeter blocking but uh, the athleticism with the linemen allows quite a bit. One more thought here from Greg Austin. Yes, um, I think like we've not I we've have, have, have uh, upgraded the athletic profile across the board. Um, not only have we updated or upgraded the athletic profile, but then we've also uh, gotten longer and, and, and bigger. Um, and, and that was a you know a big deal when we first arrived here was that we want to recruit. You know, we're in the Big Ten. We got to get big dudes. You know, uh, and no discredit to the guys that were here previously. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's an objective measure. You know, it's not subject to anything. If you're 6'5", you're 6'5". If you're 6'2", you're 6'2". I tell the guys all the time, I wouldn't recruit myself, you know, uh, in our offense because I'm just too short. Right. I wouldn't recruit you either, Sam. So just being honest with you. I'm shorter and fatter. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about you being fat. <laughs> so Sammy McEwen's really talented and. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about weight. Uh, good for good for Nebraska. I mean, they they have made that decision. We'll hear from Travis Fisher as the show rolls forward. Really interesting insight from him too on not only his scouting but just how how long he'll kind of profile a guy and and then what he can see and project. I mean, that's old school Nebraska. That's Jack Pierce. That's Darlington. That's Solich. That's Tanaper. That's McBride, that's all those great assistants that could see a guy and say, let's throw 80 pounds on him, let's put him in the strength and conditioning program, and let's get him a billion reps, and then they grow into a monster on the line of scrimmage or some dude that is flying off the football on the edge to go get the quarterback. So you're getting a, a size profile, and it's 
now year three, but credit to Nebraska for the adjustment that they, they've had to make to go get bigger dudes on the line of scrimmage. I'm excited to see more from Piper. I think Jurgens has played really good football. And then on the outside, right, you've got uh, Ben Hart and you've got Hymas. So far, so good through one game. And then I think you'll see a, a good game from Farniak, too, um, uh, against, you know, kind of a blue-collar throwback front, you know, 4-3 defense from Northwestern. And it's interesting to hear Greg Austin talk about the athleticism of his offensive line. It seems like something that's not talked about all that much, the athleticism of offensive line. It's a line. difference maker. But in a zone blocking scheme, whenever you're overtaking guys, you're reach blocking, you're getting up to second level uh, just to get yourself four or five yards. The athleticism is huge, especially against the, the fast linebackers you're going to see in college football today. It, it's You just nailed it, and you know it because you played offensive line, and you got to be able to move. It's one thing to be big, but you got to be able to move and get your hands on people. Mike Babcock's on the way. Hail Varsity on a Wednesday presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. So I'm seeing footage here of Fitzmagic uh, wearing his extra short shorts today at Dolphins practice in honor of recently traded Isaiah Ford. Uh, Ford wore the uh, the bike shorts. I mean, these things are like five feet above your knees. Uh, Havlicek and Kuzi are like, dude, those are too short. Yeah, maybe like a one-inch inseam. I saw that picture. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're almost like the old bike shorts that thankfully we all wore, but hopefully we wore them below our basketball shorts. And not just, we're, we're sporting them. Don't say we all wore. Don't throw me in there. You didn't wear the uh, the compression shorts underneath? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. I yeah. thought you meant like the actual, like the 80s style, like male <laughs> short shorts. And I was like, no, I never, I never went there. Babbers, you didn't ever have a rolling or a roller blading phase uh, with uh, with uh, bike shorts ever, I hope? No, uh, no. But uh, back when I was in high school, you know, they had the... They didn't have the long shorts in basketball. I mean, I, think, I don't think they were that short. They were, they were, they were not Fab Five shorts, but they weren't. Uh, what what Fitzmagic's wearing here? No, I don't think so. But I, I didn't see it, and I, I apologize. I'm not prepared to talk about clothing today. But no, that's good. And you're like, um, you didn't call me to talk about clothing. Now get to football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will get to football, Mike. How you feeling about Saturday? Well, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen because I think that, uh, you know, Northwestern gives Nebraska trouble. You know, we know that. And, uh, uh, gosh, the first week uh, Northwestern beat Maryland 43-3. to mm-hmm. Is that right? And then the yeah. next week Maryland turns around and beats Minnesota in overtime. Uh, so it's a good Northwestern team. And, uh, you know, I think we'll learn a little bit about Nebraska from from what happens in that game. I think Northwestern's confidence and that whole belief thing is is really going downhill. And I mean that in a good way. I mean, they're they're rolling. Uh, They they smack Maryland like they do. They come back and outlast uh, uh, Iowa on the road. That's never easy. And I mean, they're they're full of belief right now, and and they're full of momentum. And you know, I think the the biggest frustration with Coach Frost in Nebraska right now 
is is kind of the energy side of things. They've had a, a positive outlook and they've rolled with the punches during 2020. But man, they they are so sick about not being able to play to a one get better and two maybe you, you get some momentum if you would have been able to play and beat Wisconsin or at least play well enough to win, right? And then you head into Northwestern. So Nebraska's, you know, they, they've had to skip a step here, and it's going to be a, a, a tough, tough call for them to go go get a win set. I think they can totally do it, but, man, it had been nice for them to, to kind of get rolling. Yeah, it, yeah, it would have been. And, and you know, the, the thing about Northwestern is that it, it does – what it does, I mean, it, you, it, it's it's kind of like the the old Nebraska teams. I mean, you you do what you do regardless of what happens, and and you know against uh, Iowa, Northwestern ran the ball sixty times and only averaged two point four yards a carry, but they kept doing it. You know that's what they do, and, uh, and you know and Nebraska needs to get to that point that you know it's clear what Nebraska does, and then you do it. Well, because that you know you do it over and over and over again, and and like you say, you have to be able to do it in in games. You have to have that game experience. It's tough to lose a, a game the way Nebraska did. It's too bad they couldn't have at least scheduled a non-conference game in there. But um, that's that's the thing that's concerning, I guess, about Northwestern is that it's committed to playing a certain way, and that's the way it plays. And, uh, you know, even if it's not necessarily clicking in the way that it would want it to do, it continues to do that. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, Tom Osborne in one of the uh, Orange Bowls when Nebraska played uh, Miami and didn't fare so well uh, and, and didn't rush the ball very well. And uh, Osborne was asked after the game why they kept doing it. And he said, well, if we can't do that, you know we're not going to be successful because that's what we do, mm-hmm. and 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 so they kept at it, and and that's that's the approach that Northwestern has, and that's where I guess you have an advantage because you played two games. You know, uh, Fitzgerald said that it was a big advantage to Nebraska to not have a game, uh, and and I think Frost laid that out pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, if this was seven or eight games into the season, it would it would it probably would be a, a benefit um, because you could get healthy and so forth. But in this situation, with all the practices that you've had and the fact that you've only played one game, I don't think it's a benefit at all. And you know, I agree with Frost. I don't think that it is. Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Mike, it feels like it's been about. A decade of close games with Northwestern <laughs> consecutively. Uh, I'm expecting the same on Saturday. Do, do you think that all these close games uh, speaks more to the the culture that Pat Fitzgerald has built within Northwestern and how he's built that program, or, or do you think it speaks more towards the, the the downfall of Husker football and just the, uh, the the lack of talent that has been on the roster uh, in the past decade? Well, you know, I'd like to say that it's it, it's what Fitzgerald does, the approach that Northwestern has. And you're right. Of the last five games, uh, Northwestern's won three of them. Uh, two of them in overtime, and I think the other one by what three points. And then Nebraska mm-hmm. last year, thirteen to ten. I mean, it, it, that's that's a reflection of again what Northwestern does. You know how, how it approaches the game, and uh, you know. So I don't. 
I don't necessarily look at it as a negative on Nebraska, um, although, as, as you guys uh, uh, discussed, you know, uh, Greg Austin talked today about, you know, how he felt like the offensive line, there was a little more uh, talent of the type that they were looking for. I thought it was funny when he said that uh, he probably wouldn't recruit himself because he wasn't tall enough, um, you know, at 6'2", because that's what they weren't looking for. Um, you know, so I give more credit, I guess, to Northwestern and, and uh don't put it on uh, Nebraska, um, but again, it, it comes down to being having a having a plan, uh, preparing that plan, and then sticking to it. And uh, you know, I hope that Nebraska can get to that point. If it's a, if it's an upbeat, uh, fast tempo offense, uh, then that's what it needs to be. Uh, and you have to be comfortable with it, and you have to stay with it. Mike Babcox with us. A couple more minutes. Tailvarsity.com and magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. So, Babbers, uh, we were talking bread and butter just because not only is it awesome to eat, but it's also a, uh, a, a, a phrase, a beloved phrase that you, it's your go to, right? And whether it was the power toss with Rogier and Steincooler and Remington or Steve Taylor around the edge with some option or Frazier and Phillips or McAvoy, I mean, go through the, the, the plays that bring back, you know, kind of uh, illustrate Nebraska football. So what do you think Nebraska's bread and butter has been on offense uh, in the Frost era? What's what's the, the signature player? What's their go-to? And Elijah and I were talking about it. I'm like, well, it's had to have kind of been the quarterback run. That's when they that's where they've been most successful, or that's in some of the, 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 the wins of the big games. It's been Adrian making a play with his – with his feet, or it's been somebody blocking on the edge for Stanley when he was here. Yeah, well, and that and that's you know when when Adrian was a little less than uh, healthy uh, mm-hmm. last season and had kind of a down season compared to what the expectations were, uh, and I want to qualify that because mm-hmm. it was the expectations. You know, he he had an okay. I thought he did okay. Um, but based on expectations, you know, it wasn't quite up to par, and that's understandable because he was less than healthy, uh, 100%. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I, and, and I don't think it can be that way um, unless, uh, again, if, if that's what Nebraska committed to doing, uh, then fine, let, let's go with it. But, but I don't think that that's the way you want to approach it. And, you know, I... I thought that uh, Diedrich Mills would 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 be more of a factor in the first game, um, and and I still think that there's a you know there's a chance that he will be, um, but again you have to get to the point where this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do it well, and we're going to stick with it, and that's you know that's our identity, and right now I don't know if we we see that. I, I think they're on the verge of probably finding one and I think of a Zigbo and I think of Mills second half of the season where they were really popping some of those zone run games uh, mm-hmm. run plays I think I think that's where they'd like to, to go and I think the athleticism on the offensive line allows Nebraska not only the physicality but the athleticism they can they can do a lot Babbers are you worried about quarterback run by Northwestern just because of of what type of dude Ramsey is. He's had success against Nebraska. 
I think he's at, he's 19 carries, uh, shy of 75 yards, ran a little bit more against Iowa, um, ran for his life probably a little bit more against Iowa, but pretty efficient seven for, for 43 yards against Maryland. Is that something that you got to be concerned with on Saturday if you're Nebraska's defense? Well, you're aware of it, and so you prepare and and you you deal with it through preparation. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's not going to be a surprise. Um, you just prepare that way. And I think, you know, again, Nebraska probably has the guys to 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 deal with it. Mm-hmm. You prepare for it, and uh, you know, I you know, I hope the I hope Nebraska is aggressive on defense. I think that's important. But uh, against a team like Northwestern that's going to run it 60 times and only have not 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 averaging a lot of yardage, but stays with it, and I think he threw 18 times in the game. Um, that's what you have to do. Prepare for that. Babbers, uh, last thought here: uh, Are you excited to see uh, Farmer and in, in, uh, in Newsom? They're they're uh, going to be uh, under the uh, microscope here to, to start things off Saturday. About a minute yeah. here. Less, no than, less than a minute. And I feel bad that, uh, you know, Williams and, and uh, uh, Cam. Uh, Cam don't don't have the opportunity to play since the other game was mm-hmm. called off. But I, yeah, I guess it makes sense to understand that. But yeah, uh, the young guys, I think I think it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they perform. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some pressure on them, I'm sure, but uh, I expect him to respond. That was one of the things that came out today in the news conference was that uh, uh, Fish felt good about those guys. Mike Babcock with us. Hail Varsity. Don Common Magazine. Babbers, we'll talk soon, and thanks for chatting some football today. Hey, good talking to you. Be safe. All right, you too, Babbers. All right, good stuff from Mike Babcock. Mike Schuart's on the way. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big weekend of college football. Brad Edwards on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Friday, we are at Wilderness Ridge. Out on the deck, mid-70s. Temperature, Jay Moore going to be there. Mike Shuart riding shotgun. And uh, I'll be there. Come see us. Happy hour with Hale Varsity, 4 to 6. We say hi to Mike Shuart. Uh, Wilderness Ridge Golf, our regular 440 spot on Wednesday. Shuey, you got to just be soaking that sun up, man. Are the, uh, are the greens packed? How you doing? Oh, yeah, man. It's golfing time. This feels like summer. It looks like summer. Uh, I'm going to take your word for it because we're, we're in studio <laughs> today. But, man, uh, just how about all the opportunity to go swing the clubs here the first part of November? You got to be loving it. Wilderness just got to be just bustling, man. It is. You, this is bonus time. You know, you don't typically get this kind of weather this time of the year, so. Anytime we get weather like this in November, that's bonus time, bonus golf time. Well, that is good. Are we going to get bonus time Saturday, uh, another overtime thriller with Nebraska Northwestern? Let's get into football <laughs> before golf. How are you feeling about Saturday? Uh, it should be kind of the typical Nebraska Northwestern game. Who knows what's going to happen? It's always exciting. You know, typically every year they play, it's usually exciting. I don't disagree with you. The, uh, the 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 intensity will be pretty high level, but you look at Nebraska coming off of well, uh, impromptu bye week. Do you think they'll be sluggish, or do you think they're ready to explode? I 
think they'll be ready to play. I mean, heck, man, they've got their first game against Ohio State, then all of a sudden they get canceled. So I think they'd be pretty hungry to get out there and play and and want to get the season started. It, it, you know, it, 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 they teased them because they just got it started, then it stopped again. So I think they'll all be really excited to play. And the game's super important now. I mean, the winner of this game is kind of got a leg up in the division, kind of. I think so, yeah. So they better be motivated because of that as well. So, and it's Northwestern, but Northwestern will always—they're tough, man. Fitzgerald is a great coach. His teams play hard. They play disciplined. They don't make very many mistakes. So you're gonna have to go beat them. You can't be putting the ball on the carpet. Yeah, the turnovers and penalties. If if Northwestern were a golfer, who would they be? They would be Charles Howe. Chucky, huh? Chucky. It's like Chucky just makes a million and a half dollars a year and you never hear his name. You know, he's got a he sweet just, car and a good-looking wife. That's exactly right, man. And he just – ATM, man. Every time he plays, it's like he finishes six, <laughs> eight. Every now and then he might get a fourth. But it's like he's never really, like, in contention. But he's always just putting money in his pocket. The old Charles Howell. Comparison, I like it. So I got to ask you: How do you uh, take uh, Bryson DeChambeau? Going to be the first golfer to uh, start rocking DraftKings gear, and he's going to unveil it in Augusta. <laughs> Only him. Only he could do something like that. You know, he's he's definitely a trendsetter. He kind of does his own thing, and is pretty unique. So. And he's going to be pretty tough. I mean, I, he's got to be the odds-on favorite to win. Yeah, he's he's up there. How does Augusta? I mean, guys wear sponsors. Like people will wear the uh, Titleist hat, or they'll they'll rock oh, yeah. the, the polo gear. Who, when you were on on PGA and and also Nike tour, I mean, who were who were guys backing you? What was the gear you you were representing? I actually was a power bar. Okay. I had a big old yellow power bar bag, man. You couldn't miss me from two miles away. So <laughs> That's awesome. Was, you, you definitely knew where I was at on the golf course. It was a big canary yellow power bar bag. So that was one of my sponsors for a couple of years. That's pretty cool. Yeah. How, how does that shake out? Yeah, is this Mike Shoe, Art Shoey? We, we'd like to... To sponsor you was it was it that simple? Did you have an agent, or did you negotiate all that yourself? That actually came through a friend, so okay. he wasn't really my agent. He was just a friend that was working with them, and one thing led to another. And they said, "Hey, I got a friend. He's playing on tour. It's like this and that." So they're like, "Yeah, that sounds great." So, and then it happened to work out for both of us because I won the tour champion that championship that year at Pumpkin Ridge, which was the first televised at the time, Nike event, so that they ever had. And I just happened to be, I happened to win the thing, so I was on TV a lot. So it worked out good. Shuey, you got a face for TV, brother. <laughs> I don't know about that. I had a big yellow bag for it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I, I want to get back to the Masters real quick, because I'm looking at the weather report for Augusta next week, and it looks like a lot of rain in the forecast, but highs, low 80s, high 70s. Uh, with, with that weather report, maybe uh, a, a wet golf course, how do you think that's going to fare for the golfers? 
Uh, it'll definitely be different because it's going to play a lot longer than it typically does. I, I'm assuming this time of the year forecast, they're, they're getting a little lucky with the weather because, man, it can be cold this time of the year. So it doesn't look like they're going to get that. looks like they're going to have to play in a little rain. So that golf course will play a little long, but with Bryson hitting 430-yard drives. That's nuts. That's nuts. You can't make the golf course long enough. So in DJ, he'll be right up there with them. So and it helps it helps the players because anytime they get a bunch of rain, the greens get more receptive, so they get a little softer. They can't get them quite to the speed that they would like, you know. So the greens are always really fast anyway. But if a bunch of rain, that'll slow them down a little bit and make them soft. Anytime you give those guys soft greens, and they just throw darts at it, so. Mike Shuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey's out at Wilderness. We'll be there Friday. Happy hour with Hale Varsity, 4 to 6. Come see us. Jay Moore's going to be out doing the show. Shuey's doing the show. And I'll be there uh, out on the deck. Beautiful, phenomenal golf weather out at Wilderness Ridge. And Shuey's out there for you. So, Shuey, about a minute here. But uh, your takeaway, Phil, going to kind of up his uh, driver to 47 and a half inches, regulations 48. Do you think that'll add the extra pop he needs to to carry the bunkers? Uh, I definitely will. But can he hit it on the planet? That's the key. The longer it gets, the easier it is to hit it offline. And he's pretty good at hitting it offline already anyway. So we'll see. Yeah, that's that's the thing, man. I mean, what's the, what's the secret to controlling your driver? Man, the faster you go, the more precise you have to be. So, yeah. I mean, it's, that's just the the physics behind it. So, if your face is one degree off at your ability to hit a 400 yards, your ball is going to go way offline. So, you better have your precision aspect of it on. So, mm-hmm. it's a, it's just that guy that gets into his groove. If mm-hmm. if Bryson gets into his groove swinging that hard, he's going to make that golf course really short. So, if his wedges are on. He, he's going to make a lot of birdies. That'll be pretty good. Shuey, have a good uh, rest of your weekend. Uh, and, uh, folks, uh, go see Shuey. Get uh, get that, that golf game tweaked the appropriate way with uh, Mike Shuart yeah. Shuey out at Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, we can't wait to see you on Friday, bud. Thanks again for I having know. us. You bet. Can't wait to see you. Got some good weather for us, too. You keep, keep ordering that up, dude. <laughs> see you, man. See ya. All right, there he is, Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. <laughs> Phil's got to keep it on the planet. <laughs> Pretty good. We'll wind down our one. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Winding down our one. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Get the podcast. Give us a review. We'd love that. Love feedback from you. Find us on Twitter as well at Schmidt underscore radio. At Herbal Essence. Give us a follow there. But you uh, can find Hale Varsity on many different platforms, HaleVarsity.com. All the uh, Heard at Media podcasts are located there. But also on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. But uh, subscribe, download, and uh, enjoy. Reminder about your friends at West Blue Realty. You might be moving in 2020. Maybe you have found that house or you're looking to move. Maybe you need some more room. Maybe you want to upgrade. Uh, Look, it's all possible with West Blue Realty. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln 
and the surrounding communities. And when you mention Hale Varsity, they can get you up to $1,000 off the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a shout, 402-540-3768, or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly can help out as well at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westblueRealty.com. And uh, they're located in Lincoln, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So if you're coming to town, although you can't attend, for Penn State next Saturday, might swing on by West Blue. Uh, also, do you have ag land you're looking to sell? West Blue Realty is just fantastic with that. They have an auctioneer. They can handle live auction, seal bids, and, of course, uh, general Land listings in West Blue Realty is sold land all over the great state of Nebraska, Lancaster, Seward, Oto County. They can handle a large radius, westbluerealty.com. So we spent a little bit of time about A.B., Antonio Brown, uh, now active for Tampa. He has been humbled mightily, and uh, he's absolutely grateful to be back in football. Quarterback change is coming for the Cowboys against Pittsburgh, it will not matter. Uh, Your best hope is to run Zeke 48 times with that offensive line, and Pittsburgh's the best defense in football right now. Good luck and God bless. So interested to talk coaching, Karis Hill, and I know there's some teams just starting up in the Pac-12, but Brad Edwards is uh, less than 10 minutes away. We'll get his take on Nebraska-Northwestern, the lineup of games this weekend. And you have two coaches. You got you Freeze killing it at Liberty. Whatever you think of you Freeze. And guys made some mistakes. He can coach football. He can recruit football. And then you have Steve Sarkeesian who's just crushing it with elite talent at Alabama. But the point of the fact is the guy can work with Saban and stay sane. So those two guys are names you're going to hear on the radar. And we'll see how USC's job, and I know Sark's been at SC, so I'm kind of taking him out. But more so, you know, is the SC job going to be in play in COVID 2020? Is the Texas job big win by Texas last weekend to go take care of business in Stillwater in overtime? Had to have it. But now you got West Virginia and Coach Neil Brown coming in. West Virginia is a really good football team, and he's a really, really good coach. So it'd be very Texas of them to uh, step on it. And we've also got Michigan possibly in the hot seat uh, after a loss to Michigan State. I don't think Harbaugh – I know his contract's not been extended, so it's not as painful of a buyout when he's making eight and a half, nine million dollars. I think I think Harbaugh is just ready to go out, go back to the NFL. Yeah, Iowa too. Oh, and two after after yeah. the events of this summer. Yeah, there you go. That's a good take. The old Hawkeyes for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you back into Hour 2. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmitz. Schmidt Damon Barr is not in today. Ouch. I know it hurts. <laughs> He's the king of rum. You know this. But you're growing a stash. I don't know if it's because you, you wanted to go back to the look or that you're just mocking me. See, I thought you were mocking me. No, you know why I'm growing it. No? You, you alluded to it the other day a little bit. Yeah, yeah. My brother and I are growing a, a stash in tribute for my dad. Okay. Because yeah. he was a... Uh, a mustache machine, and long and short, growing one till Nebraska wins. So, better happen Saturday. I hate this thing. See, mine was a good luck stash. Okay, okay. I, I shaved and mine. It's, it's, it's no shave November as well. Yeah, now so now I got to keep it because I made it this long. But I, I did it right before the Ohio State game. Uh, I think I said this because when I, last time I grew out the stash. I was during the summertime, and the Nuggets were doing really well in the NBA bubble. See, the, so the I, superstition I thing's good. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I shaved it, obviously the Nuggets lost to the Lakers. So I decided, you know what? To bring it back for the Husker football season. Let's see if it works out for us. <laughs> you know, It hasn't worked great over two weeks, though. <laughs> is there a superstition? Did you have a superstition for Nebraska football as a kid or, or as a college student? Do you have a, do you have a special chalice you drink your booze out of do you have a, it's got to be fairberry brand hot dog on the grill or do you have a special group of dudes you watch the game with i mean something like that no maybe that's why we've been losing a lot maybe i i, I had some superstition as a kid and i forgot about it but i i can't think of any husker football superstitions really my dad's got a good one and that's whenever they're doing well he stops watching them Really? Well, uh, like, you think she'll jinx him? Yeah. Oh, big time. Um, he's uh, my dad's a big Broncos fan. I remember back in the day. Uh, well, he missed a couple of AFC Championship games because he turned them on and he didn't like how they were doing early, and he thought they'd play he was better. A problem. Yeah. So he she shut him. That's his superstition. So he he's a big time stop watching the game as soon as things start to get a little bit dicey. But nothing for me. No, this is cool. The the um, the part of of superstition in, in Nebraska football is very real. There's a retired, and this sweatshirt, I swear, is from the 1970s. And it's a old gray champion Nebraska sweatshirt that was my dad's. And he wore it through the 70s, wore it through the 80s. I took it in the 90s, and we were all going as a family. And it was awesome. And then I took it with me to college i mean this thing's had blood and puke and boo i mean it's had everything spilled on it and it survived now it's just retired so but yeah uh the plan saturday is to do the weekend show seven to nine and then uh, go watch the game with great grandma mm. so she is demanding lazari's which is sweet <laughs> i'm like all right grandma we're getting it handled so I don't know if, if we do the spicy chicken or if we just go with the 
the uh, the Honeycutt Hawaiian for her. But that's what we're looking at. So we'll dive into some college football thoughts here with Brad Edwards shortly. We'll hear more from uh, Coach Chinander and uh, Coach Fisher on Nebraska's defense against Northwestern. Let's bring in college football insider Brad Edwards, ESPN uh, analyst uh, at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, awesome weekend of college football. And uh, I want to start off, though, with we were just talking superstitions. Do you have any superstitions growing up as a college football fan for the team you rooted for? Oh, um, not, not that I remember. Uh, my dad went to Mississippi State, so okay. that's who I grew up rooting for. And uh, the only the only tradition was expecting them to lose. So I I don't, <laughs> I don't think there was anything that I felt okay. If I do this, they're going to win. If I don't do this, they're going to lose. Whatever it may be. Um, yeah, it was. It, you, you're just you're just hoping for them for them to be competitive and then win a game every now and then. So where did the cowbell come from, or was that there? You know, when when, I, you, I when, where, when you were growing up. Yeah, when I was a kid, I, I had a cowbell. Um, I don't know. I don't know where that tradition started, um, but I, I had one. And uh, I remember um, in high school, my senior year, I, I took it to a game. And um, well, no, actually, that wasn't my senior year because I was playing my senior year. Um, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what year. But anyway, I took it to a game, and they uh, they lost. And and I, I knew I wasn't going to college there, and so I just left the cowbell there in my seat. <laughs> I was like, that was my going to be my final game as a Mississippi State fan. <laughs> so I just I just left the cowbell there. You know what? You just said, all right, I'm done. You went to Alabama, yep. right? You said, I'm not taking this. I went this. to Alabama, and it's funny. My dad, my dad. It took about two weeks of the of my freshman year to get two games into the season when my dad decided that you know what. I'm going to start rooting for Alabama because they win, and and since I'm sending some money there, that I can justify <laughs> the connection. So, uh, yeah, it, I wouldn't say he bailed on his alma mater, but um, yeah, it, it didn't take a lot of arm twisting to get him to a root for a team that was winning. He, he just upgraded, right? I mean, he did. That's that's the way to do it. Brad Edwards with he did. Hey, and by the way, uh-huh. if you ever see that clip, sometimes most years they'll show it during the Egg Bowl. It was the 1983 Egg Bowl. They call it the Immaculate Deflection. It was uh, Mississippi State had a game-winning field goal attempt. It was only like 28 yards, and the wind was blowing. I mean, it was like almost like hurricane-type gust in the face of the kicker. (laughs) And he hit that thing from, I mean, short yardage. And it went, and it got about even with the crossbar. And it blew all the way back, and it it landed basically on the goal line. Wow! Is how far it got blown back, even from that short range. I was there with my dad at that game, watching it, and so that was like that was the most memorable. I remember there were a lot of losses I suffered through, but that was the worst one that I experienced in person. So next time you see that, sure, little little Brad Edwards was there in the stands, and I'm sure I cried afterwards. You know, that's, so what, that's the, what we did. The Almighty went Matumbo. This is what happened. Oh, yeah. right? He just uh, all of a sudden the wind came nuts. up and, you, and blew it back. Google it. Google it because for many years I told that story and I started thinking, you know what? Maybe this is one of those you know fish stories. Like mm-hmm. you know, every year, like it, and it was. I was started thinking like it was probably like forty yards out, and the you know the wind played a very small part. And then I googled it one year and I found it. I was like, it's even worse than I remember. Like it's a, it's amazing to watch. 
Yeah, I, I just pulled it up, Brad. This thing, the ball is, like, going to clear over the uprights. Like, it's, like, a good 10, 15 it's yards like over the crossbar. It's like you're good. Right? Yeah, and, and yeah. It, just, it just dies right above uh. the crossbar and blows out out of the end zone. It's ridiculous. One of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen happen on a football field. That's, I don't know. I haven't seen this. That's agonizing. I mean, I, I remember Keith Jackson. I remember Sooner Magic. Uh, I mean, all of those heartbreakers uh, against Switzer and company, but never, you're always kind of waiting something for something bad to happen. Elvis Peacock, Keith Jackson, Dean Blevins. I mean, go through the list. And and then you say, oh yeah, here's here's this and <laughs> the wind, uh, the immaculate deflections right up there. Yeah, it, it's been pretty crazy with Nebraska Northwestern with just it's been some ugly games. It's been very entertaining. They've been tight. They've all been seven to three points. And before we get into you know some ranked squads, Brad, what what do you think of this weekend for Nebraska Northwestern? Because those games, man, they've had some. Some wild finishes. Yeah. yeah, they have. You know, even last year ended mm-hmm. up being, uh, you know, being a really good, as bad as that Northwestern offense was, it still ended up being a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, it where I should say it was a close game. <laughs> it was um, tough finish. You're right. Great, great finish right. if you're a Nebraska a fan. <laughs> it was a close finish. So back back in the spring when we when we generated uh, our first run of FPI. I, I was I was looking at these numbers. There are always a few that you look at and you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. And, and one of them was Northwestern at number 24 in the country. And I'm thinking, like, I, I just I, I don't see. Like, I look, I know their offense can't get any worse than it was a year ago, and I know their defense should be pretty good. But both their offense and their defense, FPI was expecting to be better than I was thinking that they would be. And look, we're only two games in. But I think they are pretty good. And, and in this particular year where we don't know what we're going to get from, you know, really anyone outside of the, the top three teams in the country. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think that obviously Ohio State in the Big Ten and then, and then Clemson when they're full strength and then Alabama. Um, outside of those, there's not a whole lot on a given Saturday that would surprise me out of anyone else. And, and so I, I do think Northwestern has a shot in the division, mm-hmm. uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they end up, you know, going four and four or whatever, you know, whatever it ends up being a number of games played. So, um, but, but I, I think they are, um, this is, this is a good gauge, you know, obviously the, the first game Nebraska played, you knew you weren't close to Ohio State. You were hoping you might be able to catch some breaks and hang in there and make it look respectable. It didn't happen. Um, but but this is this is going to be a much better test of, of where Nebraska is. Uh, I know it's it's not ideal to have to take a week off when you weren't planning to, but um, but still, this is this is an opponent that at least from an athleticism standpoint, Nebraska should be superior to. And uh, th- I would say if not necessarily if Nebraska loses, but if they lose decisively, mm-hmm. this is this is when you start getting worried about where the program is. Okay. That's, and by the same that's, token, that's I would fair. say it, I, I would also say that if they win, that's a good win. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, when you first joined the Big Ten, you, you weren't thinking that you would often say a win over Northwestern would be a good win. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they, they've been really consistent. I mean, last year was the exception, but, but uh, in most years recently, beating Northwestern's a good win. I, I agree with you, and the way Coach Frost and the team 
have been, you know, having to take last week off with Wisconsin. They wanted to play ball, didn't happen. And and then now you, you go to Northwestern. This, I think this is a completely winnable game for Nebraska because you're right about what you got with it, with the athleticism and, and just when we talk recruiting, right? I mean, Nebraska's got better on-paper talent, but Northwestern's so disciplined, and that's where I'm at. Coach Frost is talking about the team's ready to turn the corner, and it's time to see it. And, and I think Nebraska's done well on the lines of scrimmage. So I think they can match up and do well against Northwestern uh, as, as good as Northwestern is on, on their lines of scrimmage. They're physical and they're smart. But this is the game for me, Brad, where you don't make mistakes on offense and you're not turning the football over and you're not right. screwing yourself with penalties. This is where you go play clean and let your athletes go play ball. So I'm excited to see you know, Nebraska do that on Saturday. Yeah, and I think the other part of it you look at is is the offense for each team because you know we've all been waiting for that Nebraska offense to finally break out, and we're is, is it year three now yep. for, for Frost? I'm trying, you know, and 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 the same thing for Martinez, you know, and we're we're waiting for that sign that okay now now everything's clicking. Um, if this ends up being the type of game where Nebraska is still not clicking, and Northwestern is a good de- a good defense, um, but Northwestern, if if their offense is clicking, then you're like, okay, what are we doing wrong? Because this this was a pathetic offense last year. They bring in a, a new coordinator um, and a transfer quarterback, and now all of a sudden, you know they're better on offense than we are. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but if that does happen, that's when, that's when you really are going to start to get a lot of unrest over, okay, okay, what's, what's, what's going on here in Lincoln? So I, I think it's a big game in that it, you're going you're gonna to learn a lot about where, well, potentially going to learn a lot about where Nebraska's program is, for better or worse. Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider College Game Day. Brad, about two minutes here. What happens in South Bend, Clemson, Notre Dame? Yeah, I... I, as much as as much as I think that you know everything kind of lines up to give Notre Dame a chance, I still think that they're going to struggle to make big plays. They're just not that type of offense. And Clemson, even with a few key defensive players out, they I think they still have too much for Notre Dame to be to be able to score a lot. And that backup quarterback for Clemson is just really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's not Trevor Lawrence yet. But I think he's good enough to lead him to a win here. So uh, even even with Clemson not at full strength, this would be a really good win for Notre Dame because I just I think they're still outclassed. Georgia Florida elimination game. I think this will be dynamite. Yeah, it should be great. And it's obviously you know big time offense against big time defense. We we kind of saw that a few weeks ago when Georgia went to Tuscaloosa. I think the difference is that Alabama's offensive line is a good bit better than Florida's, and that that should help Georgia some. But Georgia's banged up on the defensive line. Um, they're they're going to be without one of the best safeties in college football, and, and going against Florida's offense, especially with a great tight end, that's a big deal. So um, I, I I just kind of like Florida. My my feeling is is that based on everything I've seen in recent years, when when good offense plays good defense, it, it's more often than not good offense prevails and so uh even though florida's a little bit of an underdog uh i i like the gators 30 seconds are you buying byu um i'm not buying them as a 
playoff contender. Yeah. I think they're really good. I, I, I'm buying them as a as, as a possibly legitimate top ten team. Yeah. You know, at least a team that should be ranked somewhere around ten. And um, looking forward to, to Friday because that that's gonna you know if they win that game, we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about BYU and maybe also Cincinnati as we go down the stretch with the selection committee. Brad Edwards with us, ESPN College Football Insider College Game Day. Brad, have a great weekend of college football. Thanks for jumping on with us. All right. Thank you, guys. Take, Take care. care. All right. Brad Edwards with us. Hail Varsity Radio. We'll dive more into that Nebraska defense, their job on Saturday. And we'll hear more on uh, some of the young pups that are going to get a shot from Coach Chenander, Coach Fisher. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Food truck showdown down in the rail yard tomorrow. We are on site. Nick and the crew from Muchacho is going to be down there for, uh, versus Rutabagas. So that thing gets rolling at 5.30. We'll be, uh, I think I'm going to camp out on the balcony in the sunshine uh, in front of the Hale Varsity Herdat office tomorrow, 4 to 6. May dirty my way into judging some food. And uh, that'd be good. Friday, happy hour with Hale Varsity, Wilderness Ridge, Jay Moore, Mike Shuart, me. Uh, 4 to 6 out on the deck. Gorgeous sunshine. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800, 825-5865. Can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, at Herbal Essence for Elijah, and email chris at alvarsity.com. That was kind of fun getting into the superstition talk. I may have to break out the old champion sweatshirt with uh, great grandma on on Saturday to watch Nebraska Northwestern just because I mean we all remember where we've been with the Nebraska Northwestern games either the Hail Mary on the sideline we were on the sideline for that or the game last year with the field goal at the buzzer again on the sideline for that you know wrapping up going to cover the the the, the post game media session but had a house full Actually, we were over at some friend's house watching the Nebraska-Northwestern game. And, and you're just like, how in the blue, fill in the, expl- you know, the expletive, can, can you lose a double-digit lead with five minutes left? And, you know, Brad's, Brad Edwards, great insight from him, ESPN College Football Insider. He's, I mean, he's really high on Frost. But I, I echo his thoughts on this being a big game because of where you want to see Nebraska make that jump, you know, game one, take a break, and now game two. And I, I will make our predictions on Friday, but I, as much credit as I give Northwestern with Ramsey at quarterback, they're a different squad with him at quarterback, as good as the, the front seven is with Northwestern. Elijah, this is a game Nebraska should and I think will go win. I think I think it. I think they will finally put it all together and go play. Go play well. I, it, I know that's that's some blind faith. Going okay, all of a sudden they're going to play clean and turnover free because you've been waiting how long on that? But I kind of counter that with 
back to what we were hitting on week, you know, in 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 the first hour, just. Nebraska's advantages is as nice as Northwestern is with their their line of scrimmage and how smart they are and how disciplined they are and the fact they're physical smart kids great Nebraska out talents them should out talent them it's time to go eat for that offensive line uh, Casey Rogers snacks Steely Ty Robinson I saw enough against Ohio State subtracting the, self, the self-inflicted wounds to go, you know what, I'm going to bet on Nebraska's line of scrimmage play more times than not this season. I think they've made the jump. I think they're better. They just got to not screw themselves up. I'm with you. I love that. I love that. I'm going to bet on the Nebraska's line of scrimmage more often than not, and that's, that's where I'm at too. It's, I mean, the, the, the thing for me in this game on Saturday is – can the Huskers come out with that same energy that they had against Ohio State? Yeah. And we talked about it with Jay on Monday about having that chip on his shoulder. Have they been reading what the national media has been saying? If they can come out Dude, against that's Northwestern. Been on, that's been on loop, and it's okay to use a little us against the world. Yeah, it's, it's that bulletin board material. How many times has Nebraska gotten hit with that bulletin board material? Remember last year against Indiana, Michigan two years ago. It's been a board with a rusty nail through the end, <laughs> and they've just been hammered. With it. Yeah, and over that, and that, over and over. And now it's Nebraska's turn. Now Nebraska has that bulletin board material they can go use and say, oh, everyone says we shouldn't be playing football, that we're just the afterthought of the Big Ten. All right, let, let's take it on ourselves to go beat this Northwestern team. And, and Northwestern, uh, they uh, played a great game in beating Iowa over the weekend. But this is an Iowa team that has gotten worse since last year. It's a Nebraska team that's gotten better. And, and this Nebraska team, I mean, they, they played Iowa until the end last year. Uh, and really had had a shot of winning that game late, and I think Iowa has gotten worse. And it's it's obviously impossible to compare apples to apples like that. But from that performance I saw from Northwestern last week, uh, this Nebraska team, as you said, is the more talented team. They are. The other thing too is th- this could be a, a situation where Northwestern doesn't allow explosive plays, or they're they're good at tackling in space and kind of keeping you corralled. Flip it around. I mean, Northwestern's been very safe on offense. I mean, their longest pass play this year has been 23 yards. And they got a really good quarterback. I I think Ramsey's pretty good. I think he takes them over the top. Uh, remember Thorson they had? I mean, that guy was kind of a beast at running back or uh, as a running quarterback when they asked him to run it. But he could throw it. And, and, I mean, two years ago, I know we, we were just talking about the overtime loss blowing a lead. You know, that team won the West, started that 0-3 in, in non-conference play and finished 9-5 and and really hung with a pretty good Ohio State team. I mean, it was about a two-touchdown uh, beating in, in the Big Ten championship game. But Northwestern's, you know, they, they went f- from, from feast to famine with just how, how bad it went sideways for them last year with quarterback playing the offense, that's how good their defense was last year, that they were in about every game. They just didn't win them. So let's hear about uh, that that Northwestern offense. So we'll hear from Coach Chenander here, cut 17, uh, a little bit from the Nebraska coaching staff today. And uh, you know what? It's a nice blend here. So there are some things that with this guy, Ramsey, that you've seen in Indiana, there's some things he can do. You've got spread elements, but you also got some pro style, and it'll be it'll be important for Nebraska to handle Northwestern, both their tight ends when they go double tight end set. 
you know, it's a little bit different running game. Um, even though they're still going to be in some spread, they're implementing more uh, use of tight ends, multiple tight end sets, hard tight ends in the package. Um, I think they got a little better quarterback run game. We, you know, we saw Peyton Ramsey last year um, but you know he did some nice things when we played him and, and all throughout the year last year and he's able to uh, you know get out of the trouble a little bit with the pass rush he's able to to create some real quarterback runs for himself um, so you know the the passing game um, you know it, it's similar but different routes those types of things more movement passes um, but I think uh, coach Bajakian has done a really good job in, in the first two games and he obviously did a really good job at uh, Boston College as well. So Nebraska's going to have to prepare for spread elements of it, the running quarterback, but also a moved pocket. And let's be honest, you've seen Justin Fields already, and, and Peyton Ramsey's a good quarterback, but you're not going to see that quarterback with that receiver talent again unless it's in Indy. You're, you're just not. So it's it's going to get a little easier for you. But I'm anxious to see Farmer and Noah Pola Gates, both guys will – get time specifically in the first half right without Deontay Williams Gwyneth Newsom guys super talented very confident freak athlete kind of the full package of size speed athleticism and talent he's going to be stepping in for Cam Taylor Britt what what can you expect from those young pups on Saturday the gap that they've bridged, so to speak, is they're they're catching up in, in knowledge of the game, knowledge of the system. You know, with some of the other guys in the room, you could always tell when they first got here. Both of those guys are are super athletic. They're both they're all physical. Um, you know, Miles is is a really long long kid, and, and Noah's um, as twitchy of a guy that's on the on the football team. So it was just just knowing what to be and just being able to have the coaches trust them that they're going to be able to do their job, snap in and snap out. And I think that they've both uh, taken that under their wing and they've took that constructive criticism and they've got in the playbook. They've got extra film study. Um, they've taken it upon themselves to, to bridge the gap that they had, you know, and they've been taking reps with the, the ones and twos, the entire, um, you know, whatever we call this thing, fall camp or fall season or whatever, whatever it is now. But they, they've taken reps, with the ones and twos, and they've just consistently gained trust of myself, Coach Fisher, Coach Frost, and, and everybody else in the program. So I think those two have done a good job of taking it on their shoulders and, and showing us that they're ready for some some Big Ten action. They're ready to play. They're ready to play, and they're ready to go play well. Uh, more from uh, from Chenander here. Nebraska's front seven versatility. They've been able to rotate some guys, but they've also been able, if you've noticed on third down, uh, they can get some athletes in, in some specialized packages on the field and more of a 4-2 look or or a or a 4-3 and i think that could that could pay off uh, for him on saturday getting after the quarterback and matching some athletes in space against northwestern that group has, has done a good job right now of embracing um, the fact that, you know, when we're in base personnel, they're outside backers. And when we're in nickel personnel, they're defensive ends. And they still have some dropping responsibilities. Um, but but they can put their hand down a lot in the ground. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot more, you know, you guys watch the film, a lot more four-down spacing, whatever you want to call it, four-two-five, four-three defense. Um, but a lot more of that. And those guys uh, have embraced that role pretty well. And I think we're just, um, you know, you got to find a way to to effectively use your, your personnel and the, the effective way to use a lot of those guys is, is some hand in the ground and some standing up. So I think they've done a really great job. Coach Dawson's done a good job of, of teaching them when and where. So Deontay Williams, uh, he'll have to watch. Cam Taylor Britt will have to watch the first half. But here's Coach Chenander 
on, uh, you know, how Deontay played against Ohio State and just that, that discussion you have to have with your guys in the secondary, trying to separate the football from the receiver, but also that, that fine line you got to walk and uh, the reality that uh, there is just uh, – it's tough to play in the secondary in football nowadays, and the college football targeting rule screws a lot of things up. Yeah, I think I think his his body's good. You know, his shoulders fixed. I think his shoulders at one hundred percent. So I don't I don't think that's our worry right now. He's playing pretty free. You know, I thought he played a really good football game. Um, everybody can get better. Obviously, every every single person that's on our field has some things to clean up. But he played a good football game. He was physical. You know, on on the hit, it's 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 a it's a fine line. You know, in, in you know the the. Did he take his head out of it? Yes. Did he hit in the strike zone? I thought so. Did he launch? No. But they called it. You know. So it's you know it's getting to the point where you're you're telling those DBs that they got to go real low, and that's just a, it's a shame because I think there's a lot more injuries that come from from slicing guys' knees out all the time than than hitting in the strike zone where where you know we're teaching them to, to hit. So um, you know we're gonna we're gonna you know talk to some Big Ten officials and, and just see how they want us to correct it. I'm I'm not questioning their call. Um, I just want to get it corrected and, and make everybody play safely and appropriately. Well, that's that's a good answer. You know, just having to have that conversation with uh, Deontay Williams, who, man, it was just heartbreaking for him to miss last year. It sucks. He had a great hit, separated the football. Nebraska's secondary smoked those Ohio State wide receivers, and they did it legally, and they're penalized for it. Now, Cam Taylor Britt's headbutt was whatever. But Williams should be playing for sure. And he's not, but you got a guy like Farmer that's uh, been getting groomed. We'll uh, continue on a Wednesday at Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Dr. Doug Davis. Dr. Doug, how are you? Doing pretty good here, Chris. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. And uh, football is off and running. Excited to have uh, football this weekend. And, you know, injuries are a part of the game. And paralysis is something that's very, very serious and a concern when it comes to uh, the game of football. And Dr. Doug, a scary incident down in Oxford with Old Miss and their freshman tight end, Demarcus Thomas, who was airlifted to a hospital after a Monday practice, and he had lost feeling. Now he's been since released from the hospital, which is great. But uh, let's spend a little bit of time here with the jock doc, Dr. Doug, on Thomas and what happened with him. Yeah, so as a physician on a on a football field, this is the scariest thing you know that that you run across. I think uh, because it happens it, it happens so suddenly, and what it what it is is called transient quadriplegia. Um, the uh, the individual get hit in just the right way in the in the uh, head and neck area. And for a period of time, they will be quadriplegic. They will have lost um, complete um, uh, sensation in their uh, upper extremities and their lower extremities, and they won't be able to move. 
and it looks like this catastrophic uh, neck injury. So that's why I say it's just the scariest thing that 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 you see. Um, and um, then, it, almost miraculously, um, it, everything comes back. And uh, in in the case of this young man, um, you know, in 24 hours, um, he's he's walking out of a hospital. Uh, it's really an, uh, an amazing thing. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking about uh, Demarcus Thomas, Old Miss tight end, transient quadriplegia, our topic where it was so frightening, an airlift, and uh, 24 hours later, Thomas able to, to have full use of his extremities and, and walk out. And Lane Kiffin, uh, visibly shaken, was so concerned, they shut practice down and Dr. Doug when it comes to to contact and and you do have to go live during practice I mean it's just part of the nature of the beast with football and you absolutely uh, preach safety and health with how you tackle how you hit you know all the the targeting rules that exist but uh, when you're in your shoes on the sideline as a trainer as a team doc as a guy that's been in the situations in the NFL, I mean, how do you keep your wits about you when it comes to dealing with something like this? Well, you, you, you know, you're you're right. You you, you uh, struggle a little bit. Um, you know, it's not just um, an immediate response of of um, oh, you know, everything's going to be okay. But you do have to recognize uh, in that situation whether you know as you're a doc or as a as a trainer, um, you've got to be in charge of it. And so I actually had one of these episodes happen to me. And you know you you um, get into the get on the field, uh, you control the head and the neck. Um, you make sure that you know, the individual has a clear airway uh, because if you're dealing with a, a, a cervical spine fracture mm-hmm. situation um, and, and this is where you know, there may be permanent damage, uh, that individual could have a very difficult time breathing. Um, so you you do all the basic things that we're you know, we're taught to do to maintain an airway, uh, maintain a circulatory status if if that's of concern, um, uh, prevent anything further from happening by moving somebody around inappropriately, uh, and then getting them transported. Um, so um, you 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 have a rhythm. You have a a, um, a plan in place and, and you execute the plan so that, that's kind of how you deal with that situation but it, it uh, you know we're human too and, and just like Lane Kiffin it, it's uh, it's a scary deal to watch it and you know he, he was he was at a point I was just reading a little bit here on the internet he was at a point of saying to uh, you know with his own family he doesn't care if they play football again or not mm-hmm. Dr. Doug Tavis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Demarcus Thomas, our topic, the tight end from Ole Miss that was airlifted, transient quadriplegia, our topic, and thankfully Thomas is okay. So what's next for Thomas? Uh, as you mentioned that you, you lose all feeling and, and movement for a period, it's a, a monster stinger is the, the best way I can describe it. Yeah. And, and are you... Are you yeah, so basically what happens with this is that 
um, there's a there's a level or there's a certain amount of fluid that surrounds the spinal cord, and if uh, under just the right loading conditions, that fluid can uh, move down the spinal cord like a wave, like uh, like okay. a wave that you would see in the ocean, or, uh, and it uh, can create enough pressure against the spinal cord to uh, cause a shock uh, to occur to the cord. No damage actually occurs to the cord. It's like, um, oh, it'd be like uh, taking and, and uh, hitting your funny bone. You know, you, you can tell it's been hit, something happened there, but then everything's working just fine. Um, and so once the spinal cord recovers from the shock impulse that happens, there's no residual damage. And so this is why there are players with transient quadriplegia that have had this happen that have gone back to participating in you know full bore in the NFL, and uh, it is one of those things that uh, uh, in in the NFL circles it's well known that it's one of those things that a player can come back and play with. Mm-hmm. Now, if it happens more than once. Most players won't go back and do it again. I mean, they, they, because it is is incredibly scary. Um, Right? Scariest. We've been talking about other people being scared. I mean, for the player, it's it's incredibly scary. And so, um, generally, if they can get through the psychological effects of this thing, uh, they can come back and play, and they're not at increased risk for having another, uh, for having a catastrophic injury like a a long-term paralysis. But it's so disconcerting to have it happen that many people quit. Dr. Doug, it's got to be quite a hit to, to jar that fluid loose, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, it's like a, um, oh, I don't know, think about it a little bit like a, um, um, oh, a pogo stick, you know, where gotcha. you, where you uh, that spring effect where, this, where you push down and that spring compresses and then expands, and there's, there's a wave of energy that occurs in that. And if you get that right uh, type of a hit, basically on the crown of the head and compression down, that's generally how this occurs. Dr. Doug Tavis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a junk doc Wednesday, transient quadriplegia is the topic. Old Miss is tied into Marcus Thomas. Dr. Doug, thanks for your insight and your expertise and kind of taking us, uh, you know, personally with you and, and how you dealt with this today on the Jock Doc. No problem, Chris. You guys have a great rest of your day. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. The line is up to four in favor of Northwestern. And you look at the last five ball games for each squad, dating back to last year, pre-COVID. Northwestern is four and one. One at Iowa, beat Maryland, one at Illinois, lost at Minnesota last season to 38-22. They beat UMass without Marcus Camby. That was impressive. Nebraska's one and four in their last five. Mm. But it's a new year. Yeah, in 2020, you can't really look at that. This year's no, been I, so weird. No, I know. 
Yeah. And I and I like this is what I kind of hold dear to. Northwestern's uh, averaging 180 yards throwing the football. They're averaging 70 yards running the football. So are they going to unleash uh, Ramsey at all? Or are they just what they are? Wait, so they average a grand total of 250 yards of offense? Yes. They've been living <laughs> off turnovers, man. Seven. I mean, yeah, I guess whenever the, the field's only 30 yards long for you, it doesn't really matter. 30 yards is 30 yards there. That's a touchdown. Yep. Uh, reminder about uh, buckling up 70% of people. In fatal crashes in Nebraska, they're not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Good stuff from Shuey. Awesome stuff from Babbers today. And uh, Brad Edwards, great to talk some college football with him. We got into the topic of bread and butter, right? And uh, can Nebraska find that in Evanston? On Saturday, they're a go-to on offense. Tomorrow, we are in the rail yard. The uh, food truck throwdown gets going at 5.30. Come see us in the rail yard. Friday, happy hour with Hale Varsity. We are loaded up tomorrow. Parker Gabriel going to be with us. Uh, Gary Barnett will join us in preview Nebraska Northwestern. Brandon Vogel and a uh, Best Bets Thursday edition with the Pride of Chicago Danny Burke. So, loaded tomorrow, busy Friday, road show at, at Wilderness Ridge on Friday, down in the rail yard tomorrow. Weather's going to be perfect to be out and about and do things. So, what, what are your, uh, your plans this evening? You and the roommates ordering a pizza? Is it Dart League night? What are you, what are you thinking? Uh, my roommate is at work until, I believe, 9 o'clock tonight, so I think it's a good night for me to go play some pickup basketball. Do you do pickup hoops? I mean, it's supposed to be high 50s, low 60s once the sun goes down. And good. I guess I can't see outside, but I assume the sun is now down. Right. How it, depressing is that? No, I know, man. But I'll say this, like rolling outside in the morning and it being... 60 degrees after the morning show and then getting here mid-afternoon and at 75 the windows downs it's all right can't complain no soak it up enjoy it before the big freeze next week yeah it's going to turn into to, to oklahoma weather here nebraska oklahoma weather pretty soon but check the podcast out find us with uh, herdat media get to espnlincoln.com the on-demand uh, the website's where you stream us as well. And, of course, uh, Elijah will get us hooked up with the uh, ESPN Lincoln Twitter feed, some of the uh, two-minute drill, and uh, find us uh, on iTunes. And uh, do so with Google Play and, of course, Spotify. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks.